Hello and welcome to Autism Society of Berks County, Inspiration and Impact. I'm your host, Carol Spencer. So over the next few podcasts, I wanted to tackle something that we don't often talk about. It's autism and the church. So not only is church a place to practice our faith, but in my opinion, it's a place to lift each other up in fellowship. And unfortunately, because of their child's diagnosis of autism, too many families feel excluded from their church or assume that they won't be supported or accepted. Uh, Some prior research indicates that barriers put up by the congregation are a major deterrent. And it could range from the lack of training or education about autism and other disabilities to attitudinal barriers, such as being patronizing. So, you know, what's he really getting out of this? Or the staring and and those looks. Um, So to talk more about this um, and really kind of expand upon it. I am so pleased to have Pastor Robert Zemer from St. John's Reformed Church share his insights and experiences. So welcome, Pastor Robert. Glad to be here. Thank you for being here. So before we get started, can you just tell me what your connection to autism is? Because not only your pastor, but you have a connection. My yeah. son, Benjamin, is 13 years of age. He has an autism diagnosis, an intellectual disability. Uh, he is nonverbal. And so we've um, we've had to learn and navigate his parents um, what's uh, an advocate for him and so um quite a bit of experience yeah just as a parent and then as a pastor as well yeah so you, you've got dual sides of the coin Absolutely. that we're talking about here so Absolutely. Um, so is your son able to attend services and if he's not what is it that prevents him and if he does how how's that all going um ben is um one of his behavioral um texts once said he puts the uh um uh, <laughs> a, a attention deficit um, disorder. He's he he is very hard to um, to sit still for any lengthy period of time. He's always always active, always moving around. And so, yeah. um, church. He began to phase out of um, church relatively um, at a young age, simply because uh, this church was not equipped to to handle his level of energy. Um, okay. So uh, thus, I started considering forming a s- specific worship experience for children who, who are on the spectrum who are more severe. All right, that, that I really want to dive into. But before sure. we get to that, um, you know, you're saying about the high energy. And yes. I always, you know, always felt about, like from growing up and when my son was young that I think a lot of times in church, uh, we hold try to hold kids to a really high standard. It's a solemn place. That, I mean, like, depending sure. where where you attend. Um, but do you think in the overall church community, do you do you think there are issues with including or making those with autism and their families feel welcome among a typical congregation? Not necessarily yours, but just in the global perspective I th- of it. I think speaking generally, um, mm-hmm. church is probably one of the last places that families who who are intimately connected with um, autism or any type of severe disability would feel welcome. Yeah, that's a that's a heavy blow too because people sure. need that. They need that, and yeah, that's there, a, there are expectations of, yeah. of um, when you, cultural and um, uh, societal expectations when you go into church. You are quiet. You you yeah. follow the prescribed routines, and that just does not work with uh, yeah. so many kids on the spectrum. Yeah, and I think that would weigh very heavily on a lot of Absolutely. parents. Yeah, um, but you talked about 
something that might be helpful is a specialized service. So can, can you talk more about the concept of that? And I, I know it's it's not happening right now. You're on a bit of a hiatus, hiatus but right. um, how did it how did it all come about? So tell me more about it. I love the idea of it. Well, I know there are there are a handful of churches in the area that do uh, buddy programs where right. they um, train uh, laypersons to to accompany a child and experience Sunday school or or uh, while parents can can worship. My my thought was. Um, and I think that is a great program. It's a great place mm-hmm. to to work. There's there's certainly validity to that. My thought was um, keeping the family together as a unit during a worship experience. I thought was be um, was an area that was missing, and and, and I could speak with some authority because uh, I tend to be the, the Zemers are on the more severe side of the autism spectrum, mm-hmm. and so the idea of just being able to remain together in a worship environment for 15 to 20 minutes um, was um, was where I started, and um, what I where I went from there was um, recruiting persons, recruiting people who would who would help in leading the worship experiences. I've done some research on on what other churches, not generally in the area, but other churches are doing across the country when it comes to specifically forming a service for um, for the disabled and received some comments, received some feedback from a number of resources. Johnny and Friends was 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 uh, very helpful as well. Um, it's a great organization um, that, that works with the with families with disability. So I thought 20 minutes would probably be the maximum amount of time. From what I've gathered through SurveyMonkey um, surveys was, are, what are the most important elements that, that families value that who are not able to be a part of worship service but would, would, would find very intriguing and very helpful? Um, hearing some type of a message, and when I say message, I preach generally 30 minutes. Right? These messages yeah. were three to four minutes. Yeah. It was a glorified children's message. Secondly, um, communion. The sacrament mm-hmm. was was a very important element that many families who are not active in a local church was missing, and so mm-hmm. communion was an was was a foundational element, um, as communion is one of the foundational right. elements <laughs> when it comes to Christianity. Um, prayer, but primarily being in an environment where people could come as they are, and um, and it was just that uh, families. There weren't a lot of families that that came. Um, perhaps because of the time frame, or there are so many restrictions out there. But um, we, we, we received about four to six families who would come on a fairly regular basis. And um, unfortunately, my son was not able to, to sit in the sanctuary very often. We had a sensory mm-hmm. room that was equipped for him. Um, but we had children who would run around. One child <laughs> took off his shirt yeah. in the middle of the service. And it's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely, and I did all I could to condition our volunteers to expect controlled chaos, <laughs> controlled <laughs> chaos, and don't be offended. And I made it very clear that I did not want, I didn't want spectators. This was right. not for uh, just anyone in the church. This was for folks in the community who, who my hope was would feel comfortable as they are for just twenty minutes of 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 of, of fellowship and. Um, you know, looking back during that seven, eight month period of time where we did this on a monthly basis, there's there's much I've learned, things I would do differently now, mm-hmm. um, and and built some relationships with some families who who did come on a regular basis. Yeah, I uh, two things that really stuck out to me there were keeping that family together because there are few things for some families that they're able to do sure. together as one unit and just come as you are with with no 
judgment because I think that's another big thing that we're all looking for too. Right. You know, um, so you are on hiatus and I, I heard you say that you are looking to make some changes. So whenever this gets back on track, what's your, what's your goal or your hope for it? My hope would remain the same. The vision remains the same, being able to, to have a community where, where families could come as they are in worship together. Um, what I would do differently is I probably would partner with some organizations to see if I could get some TSSs to volunteer their time. Uh, I would idea. probably look at a neutral location. Our sanctuary mm-hmm. is 226 years old. It's uh, high yeah. ceilings. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to have the service thrown in the fellowship hall, which is in the basement. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did not want this to be a non-religious environment, if you will. I right. didn't want to just throw them somewhere because... Right. We feel like that all the time. Yeah. I wanted the folks to feel valued, but the sanctuary is too large of a space. Yeah, the echo. Absolutely. <laughs> the Absolutely. echo is things you don't think about. Absolutely. You know? So I, I wanted to toss this question out to you. So in your in your opinion, um, should the goal be to have families and individuals <laughs> eventually feel comfortable enough to attend a regular Sunday service? Or is this an option that should always be available to families? So I mean, it's a... It's probably a big question to answer, but it's it, and it's it's um it's heavy with theological ramifications as well. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, um, integration would be optimal, right? And that was our when when Ben started his educational career. That was the goal mm-hmm. would be, was integration, and there are families, there are children who that simply that does not work. And that's why my son goes to a very specialized school, and and Vista is located yeah. just the location of the school and how how separate it is from from the rest of Hershey sort of exemplifies um, the care and the concern they have for each child. But it also represents um, I don't think that's intentional, but just how different some of these kids are from society. Yeah, and always will be and I don't think yeah. I don't think people who 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 can people who don't understand the the more severe sign of the spectrum I don't think they understand yeah. how difficult it is how how draining it is how heartbreaking it is just to try to become part of um of, of a community because um we're already broken as it is mm-hmm. and um, sure, absolutely. It would be, would be wonderful if, 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 if the kingdom could yeah. be as it's supposed to be and everyone would come and there wouldn't yeah. be judgmental um, looks and expressions and thoughts. But uh, you know as well as I do, um, disability is expensive Yep. financially, emotionally, relationally, energy-wise. And mm-hmm. um, sadly, for a lot of places, it's not – it may be a spoken value, mm-hmm. but it's not really a value. Yeah. So until we can get to that place, and hopefully someday we will, at least these families will have a safe place right. to go to. You know, um, Before we wrap up, um, is there any message that you would want to impart to other religious leaders in the community or other congregations about making these families feel a little bit more welcome, even if they're not attending those services, you know, or if they don't have that service as an option? What, what would you say from both your perspectives as a pastor and a parent and i can see this as a pastor who has has failed in many respects there there's i i a lot of failure you know yeah. there's there, there are things that we could have done better and we should be doing better i suppose the message would be um don't say that everyone is welcome 
Yeah. When you don't have a functional understanding of what really um, welcoming means. Yeah. So be very careful with your advertisement. Yeah. Perfectly put. Churches are great people, great hearts, yep. and and where we are now compared to where we were ten years ago, oh, there's been exponential yes. um, growth and 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 receptivity culturally and religiously, but there's still a long way to go. Yeah, perfectly put for a lot of a lot right. of aspects of our lives, right? right. Well, thank you, Pastor Robert, uh, sincerely for for sharing these insights about autism and the church and. Um, I want to emphasize that there are a series of studies that has shown that those with autism and their families who attend religious services with a welcoming faith community on a regular basis show improved mental, emotional, and physical health, higher self-esteem, and overall improved well-being. So please keep that in mind. So I, I hope you're inspired to welcome and learn from those in your congregation who might be going through some extra challenges and, and maybe go a little bit beyond, educate yourself and, and include them in the best way you can. Can I say one more thing? One more thing. My apologies. <laughs> um, those with disabilities are not liabilities. They, they are, I think, representative of what's best in society and can bring out what is best in society. My son hmm. has made me a better dad, a better person. And I think when churches embrace this, this, the disabled community, they will be far better, far blessed communities because they've done so. All right. I cannot end it any better than that. Thank you, Pastor Robert. Thank you for listening. And until next time, this is Autism Society of Berks County, inspiration and impact. For more information, visit us at AutismSocietyOfBerksCounty.org. Join our Facebook page, Autism Society of Berks County Members Group, and check us out on Twitter at Berks Autism.